about wisdom. So I'm going to invite Karina up and she's going to read to us from Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, 1 to 7. King of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Thanks, Karina. Uh, Keep your Bibles open. We're going to really pull apart these verses this morning, uh, seeing what they teach us of wisdom, what it's about, uh, and how we can get it. I think one of the the struggles we often find when we come to wisdom is just the difficulty of pinning it down. Uh, It's a hard thing to define. What what is wisdom? Um, We know it's important, we know it's desirable, but but what is it? Uh, Well, maybe we can describe it. Uh, You might have heard this said. uh, Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is fruit. Uh, Wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. Uh, Of course, if you don't like tomato like I do, it's entirely irrelevant anyway. Uh, I guess knowledge is knowing how a car works. Uh, Wisdom is knowing how to fix it or even how to drive it. Uh, You might be able to say knowledge is what you get at uni. Uh, Wisdom is what you get when you get your first job. Now we don't want to make this, I guess, uh, distinction that wisdom is practical and knowledge is impractical because that's not really how the book of Proverbs uh, portrays it. The, The book of Proverbs is telling us time and time again knowledge is how the world works Wisdom is how to plot a path through it well. Knowledge is how the world works, but wisdom is how to plot a path through it well. Therefore, we want wisdom because we want to know how to live well. We need wisdom. Uh, The Bible tells us, Proverbs uh, chapter 4 tells us, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Amen, we say, but how? How do we get wisdom? Do we just have to go, get, become older and somehow gain it through osmosis? How do we gain it? How do we grab hold of it? What is it? Well, that's what the introduction to Proverbs tells us this morning. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to look at particular areas uh, in which we can learn how to live wisely. We're going to look at uh, wise future planning, wise self-control, uh, how to be wise with words, how to be wise with money. But this morning we're going to consider just what wisdom is and how we can have it. And what these verses, uh, this, this introduction to Proverbs presents to us is essentially a set of glasses through which to read this whole book. Uh, we can call them our wisdom glasses and they come in three parts. There is a lens which shows us what to look for. There is a frame which tells us who this book is for. And there is a focus which tells us where this book is directing us and what it's aiming us towards. And that's how we're going to open up up these verses this morning. So first of all, the lens. What does Proverbs offer? What is it laying on the table before us? Well, it's a lot. Just scan through those first six verses with me again, starting at verse 2, sorry. It is offering wisdom and discipline. It is offering understanding. Verse 3, it's offering a disciplined and prudent life, teaching us to do what is right and just and fair. It's teaching knowledge and discretion, prudence 
uh, for the simple. It's for, for adding learning, for getting discerning. Uh, discernment, sorry. It's for gaining uh, understanding into the hard things and the mysteries of life. See, what Proverbs is laying uh, before us is a lot of different things, but we can sum them all up in this word, wisdom. All of these things are different ways of looking at wisdom. See, what Proverbs is offering before us today is teaching in uh, intellectual and practical and moral and social values. Uh, It's not teaching us a list of rules, but what it's giving to us is a holistic approach to life, uh, instructions for every area of life, for every situation we might run into. Uh, Wisdom is is not a list of things to do. Wisdom is more of a framework uh, of practices, a guide to approach any situation which may arise. It is not knowledge alone. It is knowledge properly applied. And you might think, but why do we need it? I mean, it kind of feels like these Proverbs are a bit of an added-on extra to the Bible. I mean, after all, we've got the law. Uh, There God's shown us how he would have us live. He's given us all these rules to keep uh, and to to know how he wants us to act. Why do we need wisdom as well? But the thing is, wisdom does something very helpful for us. The law can't possibly cover every single situation, can it? I mean, it would have to be endless in order to do that. That's where wisdom steps in because what wisdom does, what the book of Proverbs does is it comes in to fill the gaps. It gives us principles to cover situations that the law might not address directly. Uh, Say for example, your roommate is lazy. There's no law that you can point him to. But you can take him to Proverbs and show him the consequences of laziness or why laziness is such an issue. Uh, Say a friend is being rude or is not speaking well. Again, there is no law that directs, uh, that that, that you can take him to directly. But again, Proverbs says endless things about how we use our tongue and how a good way to use our tongue would be. And so you can take him to there. And that is the role of Proverbs. That's the role of wisdom. It is guidance in these situations, in all parts of life, supporting the law, filling in for the law and giving us a broader application of the law. The two never contradict, they support uh, and work together. Proverbs gives us wisdom, uh, a right understanding of the world as a whole as God has intended it, a framework through which to approach every situation that arises. So then, who is Proverbs for? Who does Proverbs fit? Who does the frames of our proverbial glasses intended to? Who is this book offered to? Is it for everyone? Is it for a particular type of person? Who? Well, you might have noticed as we read that the verses here give us some clear hints as to who this book is for. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, it is for giving prudence to the simple. It is for giving knowledge and discretion to the young. So, it's for the simple. That's not um, people who are intellectually challenged, but but young people, uh, unwise people. Uh, But then, look at verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So it's also for those who are already wise. It's also for those who are already knowledgeable so that they can add to what they have. So who is Proverbs for? Is it for the youth? Is it for the simple? Or is it for the wise and the discerning? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, it is for both. In fact, the book of Proverbs is for everyone, whether they're reading it for the first time or for the thousandth. 
Uh, I read a, a story last week uh, in the news. Uh, two people were kicked off an Air New Zealand flight. Um, you might have read this as well. Uh, they were kicked off even before the, the plane had uh, begun taxiing down the runway or, or even left the um, airport. Why were they kicked off? Uh, because they ignored the safety briefing. You know, the safety briefing, you all get, open your cards, watch the flight attendant. They ignored it. Uh, and in fact, not just ignored it, um, were quite rude about it. They were kicked off because you have to pay attention to it. As they tell you in those announcements, if you've flown a thousand times or if this is your first time, you need to listen to this safety briefing. And they didn't. It is for all. And so is wisdom. Whether you have lived for many years or only a few Proverbs is for you. Whether you are young or whether you are old, whether you are simple, whether you are wise, whether you have many years of education or only a few, all of us learn from wisdom. The simple, that is the open-minded, the easily swayed, learn a solid framework for life, a way to approach any situation. The youth, those who are young, learn good decision-making that will serve them as they go through all new experiences into life. The wise can grow further. The discerning can gain more in understanding and insight. Proverbs is for you. It is for all of us. It is for everyone. No one is below its level. No one is above it. Uh, no one is too smart for Proverbs, just as no one is too simple to pick it up and understand it. I mean, even Solomon. Solomon was the wisest in the world. Who was he who collated this book? And yet even he devoted his life to gaining wisdom. We need it just as much as he sought it. So that is what wisdom is. That is who wisdom is for. Well, what about the focus of wisdom? We've gone very quickly so far. We're going to put the brakes on here because the focus of wisdom, what verse show, uh, 7 shows us here, is so important. Uh, this, this verse is the key to this passage, but not only that, it is the key to this whole book and it's all caught up in that phrase, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. If you've ever read through the book of Proverbs, you'll know that that phrase pops up all over the place. It's here in the introduction. It's right at the end, in the conclusion, bookending everything. Uh, it's at the end of the extended uh, introduction in chapter 9 and it is scattered throughout this book. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. If we uh, extend our survey to other wisdom books in the Bible, we see that the conclusion of Ecclesiastes is fear God. The same phrase again. We see that in the book of Job, again, the conclusion is fear God. Uh, obviously, essential to the pursuit of wisdom is this phrase, fear the Lord. So what does it mean? Well, firstly, it tells us who the object of fear is. Uh, it's not just God or uh, lowercase g or God in, in the abstract. Uh, when this book was written, there were lots of gods around uh, temples littered all over the place. It wasn't un uncommon to believe in many different gods. Uh, and some of those gods were truly terrifying. Uh, some of them were, were hideous and had awful practices. But that's not who we're told to fear here. The wise here, those who would seek wisdom, are told to fear the Lord. If you've got your Bible, you'll see it's capitalised. Uh, it's referring to God's divine covenant name, the name Yahweh. This is the name by which he made himself known. This is the name by which he committed himself to his people. Uh, this is the name which tells his people who he is, the, the creator, the sustainer of all. 
But more than that, it's the name that tells his people that he is with them. He is with them as their sustainer, as their provider, but most importantly, he is there as their redeemer and their saviour. Fear the Lord means fear the God who made everything, but the God who is with and sustains his people. Now we sometimes fall into the trap of thinking, but you know, fearing God is kind of an Old Testament idea. Uh, it's the New Testament now. We, we, we should see things differently. We, our relationship with God has changed. And that's true, but the phrase actually occurs in the New Testament as well. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, Luke is uh, summarising how the church has grown, it's expanded dramatically, it's being built up, and he says it's because they walked in the fear of the Lord. Now, not the fear of Yahweh there, the Lord is not capitalised, but the fear of the Lord as in the fear of Jesus. In the New Testament, we get added to this phrase, not just the fear of God the Father, but fear of God the Son as well. And actually, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because it's not as if we can treat the two apart. The two are inextricably linked. Uh, God is the cause of creation, but the Bible tells us Jesus was his active hand in creation. Uh, We're told God is the source of redemption, but Jesus, by his death and resurrection, is the means of that redemption. And so it makes sense that when we read the fear of the Lord, we understand it as not just fear of God the Father or fear of some Old Testament God, but fear of Jesus as well. But what does that mean? What does fear look like? Is it terror? Uh, is it the sort of fear that paralyzes us or, or, or makes us want to, to avoid something? Or is it something else? I mean, certainly in, in the Old Testament, there were times where it was entirely appropriate to be absolutely terrified of God. I mean, imagine being an Israelite standing before Mount Sinai and, and seeing the cloud descend on the mountain and the thunder and the lightning and an earthquake and a trumpet and the voice of God. That is terrifying. You ought to be terrified standing there. But that's not the sort of fear that Proverbs is imploring us to, to seek out. Instead, the fear that we're we're seeing here and throughout the book of Proverbs is more so describing living in a relationship of awe or of reverence or respect towards God. This idea of fear here is to live and define your life with respect, with relation to God. Uh, Maybe I can illustrate. Uh, I hate spiders. I'm quite... Happy to say that. I intensely dislike spiders. It's one of the reasons I like New Zealand. They don't have spiders there, at least not like we do. Uh, And so it's a great relief to go there and just relax. Anyway, one of the spiders I hate in particular is the huntsman. No one really likes huntsmans. I know they can't hurt you, but they're creepy. Uh, They're just bad and they're really quick, which is a bad quality in a spider. But what always amazes me is just how much having a spider in the room changes how I act in a room. Now, I can be in a room perfectly relaxed, you know, doing whatever I like, watching TV, concentrating on that or nothing at all, and fine. But if I happen to see a spider in the corner of that room, my entire demeanour changes. Now I can't relax anymore. You know, you kind of, 
for anyone who doesn't like spiders, you know how you kind of, you know, one eye on the spider, one eye on something else? You, you can't stop looking because you know if you stop looking, it's going to disappear and who knows where it's going to reappear, probably closer. You, you're just on edge. You, you end up gravitating your whole life around this spider in the room. You do everything looking towards it, aware of it. You maybe not go through that doorway until someone deals with that spider. It changes how you act and that is the kind of fear that Proverbs is talking about here. Fear the Lord means all of your life with an eye to the Lord. All of your life oriented around and towards the Lord. Not parts, not sections, not times, but all of life with respect to God, with reverence to God, with awe to God. That is what a wise life looks like. That is how we are to understand the fear of the Lord. And what we're told is the fear of the Lord, that sort of reverence and respect is the beginning of wisdom. Not just the start. The word beginning here means foundation. Fearing God is foundational to wisdom and knowledge. True wisdom can only be built on the fear of the Lord. Uh, when we lived in Geelong, there was uh, down the coast a little holiday town called Aries Inlet. Uh, beautiful little town, the road runs along the beach and there's a hill uh, going up with lots of uh, holiday houses built on there. Very expensive, lovely spot with incredible views. But there's one really unusual house there. It's not big, uh, it's actually quite small, uh, but it's built a long way out from the hill. It has the most amazing views. And what makes this house remarkable is... It's built on one enormous pillar. Just one pillar. It looks absolutely bizarre, rising up out of the ground with this little house perched on top of it. It is so bizarre. But it is a great picture of wisdom. That is how wisdom is built. On one pillar, on one foundation, on one support. It is built on fearing God. True wisdom, biblical wisdom rests entirely on a reverence and respect and love of God, our Creator and Saviour. That is what wisdom is and that's what we're going to be unpacking over the coming weeks. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us, for our world, that the beginning of wisdom is a fear of the Lord? The first thing it means is a problem. Because when we survey our world, uh, when we survey our country or even our town, there is not a lot of fear of God going on. Uh, the Bible agrees. Paul in Romans chapter 3 says uh, in his great summary of the, the greatest problem of mankind, there is no fear of God before their eyes. The heart of the, the issues we see around us is this, no fear of God. Uh, we see it throughout the Bible, don't we? Uh, Adam and Eve, they had more reverence and desire for themselves than God. And so the world fell. And in fact, the Old Testament is a series of stories of people who did the same thing. Kings and prophets and leaders who, who feared more for their security or their money or their future or their comfort than God. And it ends terribly every time. What the Bible is saying to us here is so much of the hurt, so much of the, the pains and problems we see in the world around us comes down actually to this. This is the root cause. No fear of God. 
when lives and desires and passions are oriented around the changeable human heart and its desires, then there is going to be always problems. But when lives and desires and passions are oriented around the eternal and holy God, then life starts to work out. Life becomes reoriented as it was intended to be. See, what Proverbs promises is exactly what our society is lacking. Our world needs the fear of God. Uh, it needs to rediscover this, this kind of wisdom. But the problem is it can't, can it? Because people who are trapped in fear uh, for other things can't see out of that. Uh, fear blinds, fear uh, redirects our eyes. It prevents us from seeing things that we ought to have seen and sin exacerbates that. Sin makes it even worse. Sin stops our world from fearing God and so having their lives reoriented toward him. What do they need? What does our world desperately need? It needs to see God. After God appeared at Sinai and after God revealed himself to Israel, they feared him. And so too will our world only fear God after they see him. And the best place they can see him is in his greatest revelation of himself, in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us Jesus was God's wisdom personified uh, and in him the greatest redemptive act was done. His death, his resurrection uh, calls people back and reorients them again towards God. What our world needs is to see him. The solution to its problems, whether they be global or personal, is to see God, to see him in Jesus and find in him the fear of the Lord that leads to true wisdom. And for that to happen, they need to hear of him. Let me paraphrase Romans 10. How can they fear the one they have not believed in? How can they fear the one of whom they have never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, if we care for our world, if we want to see our world uh, and its hurts healed and, and hold out hope to our world, then we must help them to see Jesus so that they would know God, that they would live wisely towards him, that they would see him first and then build a wise life on him. Our world needs to see him in order to have hope. But so do to we. Uh, we also need to see him clearly. As his people, we need to be looking at our lives and making sure that we are living in the fear of him and that is living in right relationship with him. Because at the end of the day, many of our issues, many of our confusions and hardships and hurts come from the same issue, a failure to fear God first. We fear for all sorts of things. We fear for ourselves, we fear change, we fear for our hopes and our dreams uh, we fear for our desires. We fear for so many things when what we're called to fear for first is the Lord. We need to be looking at our lives and asking ourselves again and again, is God truly at the centre of this? Is he the basis for how I'm acting? Is he at the foundation of what I'm doing? 
Is my relationship with him driving my decisions? Is it driving how I'm reacting to this situation? Is it driving my plans for the future? Is it driving how I'm feeling and reacting? Is it driving my motivations? Now we think, but that, that's really hard. And it is really hard, but it is not impossible. Because God's actually shown us how he can be at the centre. His word teaches us again and again what that looks like. Uh, His word reveals it, Jesus showed it and wisdom is here to hold our hand and guide us in it. It's all before us. God hasn't left us without. He's actually given us every tool we need. And so we should seek those tools out. We should immerse ourselves in them. These are the things that we should be talking about and helping each other in. What does it look to live wisely in this? How can I react wisely in this? We need each other for this. We need to be a community of people who are pursuing the fear of the Lord in everything that we do, making sure that we we are finding ways to live in awe and reverence and obedience to him and finding in him wisdom for every part of our lives. And what we'll find is that the more we seek out God, the more we search out wisdom in him, then the greater we're going to come to know him and wonder at him and stand in awe of him and the greater our fear of him will be. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here's what chapter 4 promises. Uh, chapter 3, sorry. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed." Seek wisdom, uh, get wisdom, for wisdom is supreme. That's what we've done today uh, and that's what we're going to be doing over the coming weeks as we explore what wisdom looks like and how to live wisely in the fear of the Lord and be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to live truly wise lives. Father, you have shown us to yourself, you have revealed yourself in Jesus and in him we see your glory and mercy and incredible rescue. Uh, In him we see your love as you call sinners into relationship with yourself. Father, help us to stand in awe of you as we see you in Jesus. Help Help us to base our lives on you, that we would live in the fear of you in all things honouring you, respecting you, uh, living lives that are built on you and revolve around you. And Father, as we learn to do this, may your spirit guide us and may he teach us wisdom that in it we would find great blessing as we draw closer to you, as we learn how to live well in harmony with you and as we receive the blessings that you always intended us to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.